to review three albums. <laughs> this is Music Sucks and I Want to Die. My name is Jake. I am Matt. And uh, this is the third of our recurring series called yeah. Triple Long Play. That is right. The spiel being, one of us picks an album from the year 2000 or later. Other picks one from the year 2000 or before. Damn. Inclusive. And the worst way to ever pick a third album is going through Piero Scarufi's website using a random number generator until we find a year and an album number and listen to that yeah, one. So we find like a genre, then a year, and then a, yeah, it's it's very stupid. And uh, which one are we starting with, by the way? We are starting with the currentest album. The currentest. That's not true, actually. Yeah, it's actually it's not. <laughs> the new of the two we picked. Yeah. But before that. The two, these two albums. Oh, Jesus. We have a special, it's an event for Jake, he's never the, had sake That's, before I, I have not and i'm very excited to try it we, we bought the slightly more expensive one so that it would be better and i'm pretty yeah, sure that's so how that works class it up for this episode yeah. a little here we moved we actually took a pretty steep progression from uh last time which i think was like some weird berry ranch water shit wasn't it last time oh i thought it was berry 211 oh 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 the tiki 211 tiki 211 yeah and now we're drinking sake so all right Cheers. see what you think Yeah, it's good, right? It does taste like white wine a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Ichiban. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. So anyway, the first album we're talking <laughs> about today was my pick. Sure was, man. And maybe it's not the best album ever. Maybe there's nothing really interesting about it. Definitely disagree with that. But <laughs> well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Musically, compared to what we normally talk sure, about. Sure. Um, but it is probably one of my favorite modern rock albums of all time. I think it's, in some ways, a perfect rock album in far as sound and structure and sure. songs. And this album is 2003's Permission to Land by The Darkness. Hell yeah. So The Darkness, you all know them from their one big hit, yep. I Believe in a Thing Called Love, which we will not be listening to today. <laughs> Before they were butchered at every karaoke bar across the world. It was just a really fun, cool song that came out of nowhere. Um, it This album never charted super high. It did pretty well in the UK, but the US not as much. Uh, but it, Shocked. It got to like 30s or something like that. That's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, um, not bad but if you look at like the uh, top scoring albums of that year, the closest things to rock are Linkin Park was up there, and Godsmack and Metallica each had a best-selling album that year. And the rest, 50 Cent was only like, Ten times. Um, and Britney <laughs> Spears. And basically, there was not really any, like... Yeah, that, that must have been Get Rich or Die Trying. It was, in yeah, fact. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but, and this happens every so often, especially since 1983, where, I don't know, where a good classic rock-sounding album will come out, and everyone will be like, oh my god, they're saving rock, they're bringing rock back, <laughs> and it's really good, and then nothing ever happens with that, until ten years later when it happens again. Yeah, and uh, what people should realize is it's not bringing it back, it's like doing one more press on the uh, on the defibrillator. You yes, know what I mean? yes. Um, I will say, 
that this band though had despite you know i mean i almost wanted to make an edit of like just little 30 second clips of every song where like that's an aerosmith riff that's an acdc <laughs> part and it, it is very like on the nose but they're not afraid about that they're not trying to hide that sure, fact. yeah they actually are really embracing the music and i think it fuses together well his vo- voice is extremely unique um, you can say that again yes <laughs> i want to talk about the production a little after we listen to the first song yeah um but we're going to start with black shuck nice which is the first song on the album it's apparently about a story in their hometown about a dog that would go by and haunt the church. Word. Yeah. So, Black Shuck, here we go. Again, there's nothing that you haven't heard a million times before in those guitar parts or riffs or anything like that. Um, But I, they're so good at the little things, like those little like crashes on two that happen Mm -hmm. and the little accents there. Um, They're playing. I mean, although this isn't the time of being able to quantize things, but I find they're playing like between the two guitars and the drums and bass too, of course, being exceptionally tight though, uh, and panned well. so it was panned very well. The yeah. two brothers both play guitar. Apparently, they both just played a Les Paul, one through a Marshall, one through a Mesa, and that's about as classic as you can get. Yep. Um, they get some really different tones out of this album, though. So I don't know if that is true that they just use those two amps, but you can get a lot of those two amps. Nice. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, what I really like, uh, and we'll probably probably about where you're about to get into, uh, the vocals are, like you said, very unique. What can often happen with someone who goes into falsetto like this? like, you know, every five seconds, is that the falsetto will obviously be, like, 10 dB quieter and mm-hmm. have no, like, no presence whatsoever. And I have, I, again, I wish I was more of a production expert than I am, which is not at all. And, but I want to say that it's uh, not slapback. It's like, eight, it's like slapback times 400. Uh, they have this extra delay on the voice. Oh, it's like kind of like the... It's almost like a double tracker thing. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's, I feel like that helps it like, really breathe, especially when he gets up top. Cause you don't hear it as much when he's in his normal, like, uh, yeah. his mm-hmm. chest voice. Mm-hmm. And, but when it almost feels like someone went through the entire fucking album, like you would now, like automation, all the falsetto parts are just turned up and you had, it, just, it feels so natural. Right, right. Um, so actually, segue into the producer of this album, 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 Pedro Ferrer- Ferreria. Ferreira? 
Yeah, sure. Okay. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I think the production's super good in this album, um, especially for rock. Look this guy up. He has done nothing else. Oh! I mean, he's got a couple of credits. This is by far the biggest thing he's done. Wow. And this was 2003. I, as far as I can tell, he doesn't do anything anymore. If you go to his website, it's just gone. <laughs> it's four fours. <laughs> like, it's, That's a mystery, dude. I, the right? album sounds really, really good. I know. Apparently, he did something with Meatloaf in like the 2000s, so that oh. might not have been good. But it might have been good for him. Yeah, for, yeah. For but like, this really was good. his like claim to fame. He didn't do their second album. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just, if anyone knows about this guy, I want to know more, because, like, what happened to him? He was good. <laughs> Pedro, if you're listening, give us a call. <laughs> um, anyway, so a classic rock band would not be complete without a awesome power ballad. Oh, baby. And I think this is one of my favorite power ballads of all time. And we are going to listen to, yeah, Jake, I do. Uh, <laughs> you like Bon Jovi, get out of here. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> this song is called Love is a F- Only a Feeling. And... Cool parts. the guitars ending in a fifth part and the nine on the four you know it's it's, it's everything it's you, want. you want um i mean yeah so first of all who does not love it when there's a guitar line that basically plays the melody oh yeah that's classic sounds really good uh kind of hard to hear i kind of not sure exactly if this is what's happening um but it sounds like on that first part before the harmony guitar comes in for mm-hmm. the late line there's like they sent the echo and reverb to the left channel while the guitar lines in the right because I can hear just a little bit, but it's, like, super quiet in there. I didn't notice, yeah. yeah it's, I've only noticed it, like, on my last few listens, I think. Um, and then it goes away when the harmony part takes its space, which I think is pretty cool. Because it's, like, kind of there. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa. Oh, okay. But I think it's just the reverb of it. Like, yeah. kind of like that Eric Dolphy would listen to. But, yeah, but, but actually good. good. <laughs> yeah, not insane. Uh, one thing I wanted to say is, uh, first of all, the acoustic guitar at the beginning. It's, I want to say it was, like, panned like a piano often is. Where it takes up literally 100% of 
yes. the image. It's, it's everywhere. Yes. It's not just an instrument. It's like the entire space is this acoustic guitar sound. That goes into one thing I really like about this is I think the uh, transitions between the heavy rock and the acoustic guitar is really well done, partly because I think the sound uh, mix stays as full. Right. Because actually, especially in the beginning when there's like four guitars playing, <laughs> uh, like, and they're all distorted and like in your face, and that's very full as well yeah. um and be really easy to get real weenie when all that goes away and it's just acoustic guitar yeah um and there's some sort of like chiney thing that they do to help yeah. that too i think um and again they always manage to leave so much room for this vocalist who is not singing loud i oh he's, I, he's probably he very quiet yeah yeah um so it's just really cool another thing they Impressive. do a lot um is i like their pre-choruses the pre-choruses are often like the cooler parts of the song yeah i mean this one's not crazy but it's like six bars instead of eight or four as it would Whoa. be i know but i like really like how it leads in no totally I'm yeah a huge like fan that's, of odd that's so cool how they do it on that yeah oftentimes that's just i mean obviously it's not 100 the case but oftentimes when you have like an odd phrase length that's actually good. Just someone who's really paying attention to what his song is trying to say mm-hmm. and realizes he doesn't need the extra time to mathematically fit into something. Exactly. And you can just jump to whatever you need. Mm-hmm, it's great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I want to play the solo <laughs> just cause it's yeah, like, fine. cause it's we're probably pretty- not going to play a lot of the solos. And I think one of the best part of the album is about how over the top and ridiculous all these solos are. Like it's, if you're just a guitar nerd. I mean, it's, you can't help but smile, but I, Every song in this album, I think, similar to like, you know, Guns N' Roses back in the day where you can tell they were composed in studio to make a good solo and, you know, probably pasted together a couple takes. Like they're not improvising pentatonic scales or anything, No, but they do. I don't know. I just really like their solos. They all are a little different than each other. They all have a really nice form and flow and cool little bit. So skip ahead to the solo a bit. Nice. Don't remember where it was. so perfect yeah <laughs> i mean and again brevity mm-hmm. sucker for the harmonized guitar oh god too. Dude, it's like, always the best oh such a good line to do that on you know yeah an odd progression of that line because it ends up the third statement of it ends up on like some weird fifth that's not quite functional but it still works for me it's rock and roll man yeah it's rock and roll rock and roll dude who cares where you end up it's about the journey bro but no, it's really good. And then when the singer comes back in, and it sounds great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to skip to the last song. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this album. But it is probably the best song on this album. Oh, okay. I thought I didn't think it was the last song for some reason. Oh, sorry. The last song I'm going to play. Oh, okay, okay. It is the second to last yes. song of the album. Okay, <laughs> yeah, this is by far my favorite song. Again, on back this to album. our, I uh, did want to, because you brought this up, and I was like, Jake's a genius. He's correct. Um, as far as our anatomy of an album rules go, mm. this is like prime example. It's 10 tracks. It's like 40 minutes-ish. Mm-hmm. Starts out banger, 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 banger. Love is only feeling that's track five right yep. there. Comes down a little. We got like three songs of filler that are eh, whatever. Yeah. Then this song, which is like the biggest song of the album. And then a great holding my own power ballad at the end. That's right. Yeah. It's, you end the album. I mean, we talked about it in episode two, mm-hmm. but like. The last song on your album can be almost whatever you want, but like it's very often a super come downer. 
Yes. And it's super cool. It works and this, very well. It works on this album yeah. really well. Uh, what's annoying is if you go on Spotify, because Spotify is the worst thing ever. Yep. And yet I still pay 10 bucks uh, a month for it. There's like different versions of this album, because they always have that. Yeah. You can't find the album without a bonus track on it. Brutal. Ruins my life. Yeah. The, the closest they have is the one that we're listening to. This version has one bonus track on it at the very that's end. That's the one I listen to. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like, that ruins my whole mood when that happens. Yeah, dude. It's like... The bonus track, again, we've talked about this at least nine times, but this is the song they didn't put on the album. Yes. Because it sucks. Yes. But no one wants to hear your bonus track. <sighs> but it's like, you know, it's a great way for the, the label to be like, oh, this is. buy this version. Exactly. <laughs> Stop selling copies about 100 years. Let's throw this bullshit. The Who have that shit coming out their ass. Every class. Or anyone who can make money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'll probably happen to uh, Genesis now. Yeah, oh, probably. Phil Collins just sold all Pink the Floyd rights. happened to, too. Yeah, I was listening to Piper at the Gates of Dawn, and there's a version, I think it's on Spotify, that has just like the entire album twice in mono and stereo. I hate that. Why? That's all over Spotify. Yeah, why the fuck would you do that? I don't know. Ah! Uh, uh. So anyway. <laughs> Let's listen. This is the best song on this album. This is called Love on the Rocks with it's, No Ice. <laughs> it's so killer. Oh, my God. too hard there so i'm so heavy like that the, the tone on this song i don't know how they got it like yeah so heavy it's fat especially if they are just using the same two amps on every like there's quite a bit of tonal difference on the guitars throughout this album i'll take your word for it <laughs> yeah i mean you know yeah it's, it's, i'm guitar geeking out here a yeah. little bit but like yeah dude like that sounds a lot different than the other songs on the album yeah like, totally. you know tonal uh, uh but uh totally and tonally totally 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 okay um it's a, I, I don't know if it's like a Neil Diamond joke or something, because he's got the famous oh. Love on the Rocks. Uh. I mean, I could see it because they are like just sort of glam and like, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't think like a joke joke like, fuck Neil Diamond, yeah, but like, like, like homage, a, yeah, homage yeah. or something like that. Um, but it's just such a, it's a funny phrase, Love on the Rock with no eyes. Like, it's just, it's stupid. It doesn't but make like, any sense. But yeah. like, it's so heavy. And just when he comes in on that chorus that. 
I mean, I can't sing that. Nope. But the love that he does. Like, yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Um, the, there you go. <laughs> the verse comping on the guitar parts are really cool, too. There's weird voicings that are yeah, typical very, for guitar. That. A lot of open string voicing stuff yeah, going yeah. on. Kind of. They're not like super dissonant, but just a little bit of a. Dude, with that much distortion, you know, almost anything's well, dissonant. And, yeah. and that is the interesting too, uh, thing, too, because like. A lot of times, if you are doing that, you will not use such a heavy, distorted tone. Yeah, there are intervals that are not a fifth. That. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm thinking they probably had a clean guitar track in there somewhere to kind of bring some of that oh, out, would be my guess. But, um, but still, the part itself is cool, and I think having it be so distorted kind of... I don't know. The song is just so odd. It shouldn't work that well. Yeah. But there's just something so heavy and driving about it. And I mean, that's kind of how I feel about the whole album. Well, that's fair, too. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> um, I just want to play the outro just to end this uh, section because it's so over the top and ridiculous. <laughs> I'll, I'll spare us. I'll just do the last minute. That's sparing? Okay. <laughs> it's like two minutes long, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's rock out, friends. Go! biggest takeaway from this band is that they're fun they're fun it's a fun rock record yeah like, it's not intended to be like the most meaningful thing that's ever happened. exactly they're having fun they're making good music good hooks great guitar playing like and the drummer actually is super solid yeah. too like i mean parts are simple but he's hitting them he's hitting them hard um and going back to like the other chart topping albums of that year like the rock ones it's like lincoln park metallica and godsmack and it's like real angry white boy rock was big at that time you know yeah and just this is just refreshing in that sense i don't know if you were watching mtv or vh on one at all in 2003 uh no um they had like a i I wasn't allowed to (laughs) oh no this video that was kind of inappropriate um but they had i think four signal four singles and they made a video for each and it was actually following a story Uh but it's them in a spaceship and then they get attacked by a or a pterodactyl in space and they crash land on it's just ridiculous sounds like heavy metal it's yeah but it's just very i mean it's supposed to be like that very cheesy and that kind of way yeah. yeah it's just it's fun music it's a solid album it's 40 minutes what else do you want yeah Again, nice and nice and short. Mm-hmm. Not too long. Well, since I nerded out on guitar, I guess you can nerd out on synthesizers now. Yeah, baby. Oh boy. Oh my god. So I, I need some more sake. Yeah, dude. I need some more too. Pour me some love on the rocks. And there's no ice. That's true. Get a little warm. <laughs> so we're moving back. Way back. Two thousand two. I was going to say the eighties, but it's actually nineteen seventy nine was the single. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's like kind of weird. It's like it's basically 1980. Let's put it that way. This is probably like one of my favorite albums ever. And it's 
kind of mysterious as to why. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of really good reasons, but it's not initially apparent, I guess, when you would listen to it on a first try. And in order to make that point more clear, I will say that the Rolling Stone uh, record guide gave it two out of five. Like when it came out? Yeah. I mean, Rolling Stone always sucked. They hated Led Zeppelin when they came out, too. Yeah, but other publications gave it like two out of four, yeah. like a B minus, or like things like that. Or Interesting. Whatever. So it's not, I, I don't think it's initially apparent why this album is fucking genius, because I think it's really, really good in almost every way. Odd choices aside, there's that happens in the late well, early synth. Yeah, early like, synth. Yeah. Early, synth <laughs> yeah. early digital synth. Yeah. Uh, scary. Yeah. We are talking about the Buggles. Uh, it's actually the Buggles. Strip. Actually, it's the Buggles. But on the, but yeah. on the album cover. It's, it's on the it's album a, cover. A, I know. I guess, it's, <laughs> we are very uh, nerdy about our article usage in this podcast. I recall you got mad at me for saying the Pixies. It's Pixies, Jake. Exactly. See? Anyway, we're talking about the Buggles. <laughs> And we're talking about their first album, The Plastic Age. That was The Age of Plastic. The Age of Plastic. The first song is called The Plastic Age. Do you know anything about this album, Jake? God. I don't know anything about anything, dude. <laughs> the Age of Plastic. And it was released right as 1980 was coming around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, scary a, time, it's man. It's a good marker for 1980, I would say. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, I mean, the, the first single on it was, like, the first things shown on vh1 right i think so yeah 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 so this album has everything you could ever want on it it's all like kind of new wave synth poppy but uh it's songwriting is so strong in every way lots of like you know when we were just talking about the darkness you were talking about the six bar pre-chorus that's like this entire album mm-hmm. <laughs> is like the six bar pre-chorus or a bar of two or like everything drops out but like a really tinny bass tone mm-hmm. no it, it almost like doesn't make any sense <laughs> but it's so good <laughs> Everything they have the songwriting's incredible. Again, it's nice and short. They do have we were just talking shit about bonus tracks, but oh no. <laughs> there are good bonus tracks. Really? I didn't listen to those. There, there, it's, it's hard to find this version of the album. Mm. I only did it because I torrented it. And uh, it has three extra tracks, including an extra version of Johnny on the Monorail, which is pretty bad. Uh we'll get into that later. Mm. I'm pretty sure you hate that song. It's not my favorite. Uh, <laughs> loser. Uh but there are two good tracks off of it, but that's not important right now. What I want to do is just play the album opener a little bit. Yeah. Because it's, honestly, I'm going to have a problem. I would literally play every song off this album because it's everything. is it's Every song is so much different, too. Like, yes. sonically. Yes. Uh, in terms of, like, style. In terms of, uh, like, feel yeah. like chord progressions are oh, all yeah. different. Even, like, like, the vocals. Even like, the vocals uh, yeah. are different, yeah. So, anyway, let's play Living in the Plastic Age.
doop, boop, boop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a fucking great song. It's so good. And they're really not afraid to take very strange risks. In the middle of this song, there is a very strange, like, oompa section mm-hmm. that's like, and it's, it reminds me of kind of like, uh, reminds us of the late Beach Boys stuff, actually, in a way. It is, um, I mean, there is, like, connections between it, but they do throw some random shit on top of a lot of their stuff. Yes. Uh, but it works really well. Uh, well, I'm sure you want to talk about the concept of the album later, but I do think it ties into that a little. Yes. If we can. I was about to say, like, we were just listening to some lyrics, and those lyrics were, rescind the heart police to come place you under cardiac arrest. That's not really the concept. That's not the concept, but it's like, lyrically, the song may not be super dope. Uh, no. Possibly bad. But as we like to say on Music Sucks and We Ain't Gonna Die, who gives a fuck about lyrics? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, but the lyrics actually do add kind of its... Uh, I want to say, like, what's the word? Kitschy? Is that the word I'm looking for? Campy? Yeah, campy, I'd say. It is a little... Uh, it's almost like watching a cabaret act or something. In a way, like, yeah. They kind of dr- the drama factor of it or something, you know, where it's yeah. like a little over the top. but Very over the top. Yeah. Very not subtle. Mm-hmm. Very odd yes. lyric writing in general, but like to me, it just adds to the album. I think so personally. too. It's um, so the only thing I had known about this band before I first heard them was "Video Killed the Radio Star," of course, which is a good song and it's fine. Um, but I remember getting this album for the first time and the Plastic Age. I just thought that was like the coolest song ever. Yeah, I was just like, "What? This is that bad?" And then it <laughs> goes into "Video Killed the Radio Star" right after that. Yeah, and it uh, works really well. By the it way. does. It yeah. does. But I was. Very surprised by this band, and as the album went, I was. It's yeah. I think every such, track was a new surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah the video killed the radio star does not really represent the band all that. No, well. not really. And I'm not gonna lie to you. Video killed the radio star is amazing. That was I a lo- great song. I love yeah. that song. Yeah, but it, yeah, the band is just go, is pushed and pulled in so many different directions by mm-hmm. each like uh, a soundscape on each song. Mm-hmm. So much different. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just two dudes, right? And then yep. they like hired a drummer, and they had like some girls singing on it, but it's. Basically, just it's the two, two dudes. dudes. Yeah, yeah, it's, tre- yeah. it's uh, well, I was about to say Trevor Noah, but that is not who that is. It's a duo of Jeff Downs is the keyboardist, and the bassist slash. I guess he like wrote most of the stuff, mm. but it's yeah, it's very weird. Trevor Horn. That's Trevor why Horn. Th- mm. there was an H in there. That's why mm-hmm. Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, uh, they. I believe Jeff Downs went on to tour with Yes and. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he was a keyboard. He went on to tour with Yes and a couple other ones. Oh, God, I can't remember. And he was really, really good. He's British, obviously. This band, that's another thing I wanted to mention. This is so British. You know, Darkest Album was very British, too. Yeah. And actually, our third album's British. They are, but you know I mean. Well, you didn't sound like it, but they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Asia. He also played in Asia. Oh, well, yeah, he did. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. I kind of want to just represent the differences in soundscape in this mm-hmm. by jumping to I Love You, Miss Robot. All right. That's a good one. It's a good one. Oh, I mean, is there a bad song in this album? In my opinion, yes. But, oh, fuck okay, off. maybe not bad. But, yeah. Anyway, I Love You, Miss Robot. Yeah.
Yeah, there's <laughs> so much stuff happening. Uh, we didn't play the rest of the three minutes of this song, but as we go later on, the uh, the cadence at the end of the verse and before the chorus, the ah, 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 each time it like adds a couple bars mm-hmm. and just waits a little longer before the big weird percussion hit, and then you're into the sick chorus again. Can you? Um, I don't know if you know too much about this, um, but. What what like what what the hell is going on with synths during this shit? Like what like this is an is awkward it, time for synths. Okay, because like a lot of these sounds are very unique. They are like this is a very awkward time for synthesizers. We're just about to get into digital stuff, mm-hmm. and people are really trying to push the envelope of analog. Uh, stuff's coming out. I, I can't remember when the DX7 released. It's that that was like Yamaha's first foray into like the digital mm-hmm. synth market. And that the DX7 and like similar digital stuff like that really instantly changed mm-hmm. everything. And turned it, but I think this is just before that. I think this is like there was a there was a computer synth. Can't remember what it's called, but it took it was like a very strange direction. It was like called Fairlight or something like that, and it it's like sample like early sampling, but like processed in hmm. a very weird way. Interesting. And I feel like they probably use quite a bit of that on this. Um, but in general, I would say I'm not very knowledgeable about this specific era because it's so right. awkward. It's I'm just in curious between. to like. Who these guys were? How did they get all these sins? They had a studio. They they just were there in their living rooms. Like I, I'm just curious. Like I don't know if you know this at all, but like I don't. Where did should, they get access to? All someone this? should do a documentary on these guys. I really want to know about yeah, this. I would so, watch I, that documentary. Yeah, Cause, yeah, because there's a lot of synthesizers were more expensive back mm-hmm. in the day. They were also way heavier and larger. Well, and, that's what I'm wondering. Like. Who are these guys? Like, did they have hookups somehow, or like? Not really. I mean, they spent the first two years of their band doing nothing. Yeah, so. that's true. I don't. I'm not sure exactly where they came from. I wonder if a lot of these were fleshed out more in the studio when they had to record. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but maybe. still, it feels like the basic parts of it must have been like, like you can't make all of that in the studio without having stuff. Yeah, like yeah, you, you, you need know, some like, gear. yeah, um, need some gear. Yeah, there's and again, there's so many different synth sounds happening in this track. Like even little things like. Uh, before, like halfway through the first verse, like it, there's this little bubbly thing. It's like, yeah, and it's really cool. And there's so many of those little details everywhere in this entire album. Did they like produce this as well, or did they have a producer? Do you they know? had? Uh, they got signed. Let's see. I have this up. Believe it or not. Oh, that's not the Buggles. That's the Buggles. So yeah, they basically recorded demos. <laughs> apparently they recorded like in a stonemason shop or something which is <laughs> hila- hilarious and then they uh they got a recording contract from island recording mm, interesting yeah and then they started recording their shit oh tina charles that's the name of the girl that's right but yeah they didn't there's not too much in the wikipedia which is the only thing i'm reading hmm. right now I wonder if those demos are out there anywhere that you can listen to be i wish dude uh, i i took a look for them but obviously one google search will not get you if you in 1977 knew the buggles yeah. and were friends with them and you have yeah. an old like reel to reel recording <laughs> of their demos reward uh two elevens yep. in, in the mail yeah i'm sure they'll taste great after being shaken up for four days <clears throat> anyway uh this band's awesome. We just played the I Love You, Miss Robot, and that was like a super chill track. And before that was the Plastic Age, just, you know, we played that and Bombastic. In between those were two tracks. Uh, Video Kill the Radio Star is the second track on the album, and it's really amazing, and everyone knows that song. The third track is probably my least favorite on the album. Yeah. Kid Dynamo. It features an interesting thing, though, where uh, the, every, the uh, verses are in F minor, and then the choruses are in A flat minor. 
And that's, you know, that's it's trying cool. something. Yeah. It's always cool. Always cool. There's something about it that doesn't quite work for me, though. I'm um, not sure what that is. I think I read this, that they had, like, the couple or a few songs written, and then they got signed, and they're like, shit, we got to write the rest of this album. <laughs> and I'm wondering if some of these were just sort of like, oh, yeah, here's a song. <sighs> I mean, I could believe that. I mean, but not like, that they're bad. I'm just wondering yeah. if like the problem is like there's too much stuff going. I know on. that's that's what I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> there's too much stuff happening in every song. There's too many details yeah. for that really to be the case. Although that might be the case with Kid Dynamo, though, because there's not that much in that song. It's much more straightforward rock song. Sure, you know it's not rock at all, mm. but it's more of that kind of structure. But we're gonna move on in the album, and you don't like this song either, do you? Uh, we're going to play Clean Clean. I really don't like right. this one that much. We're going to play it, and then I, we're going to talk about okay, it. Okay. The intro is cool, though, you got to admit. Oh, there's a lot cooler. And there is very silly. Yeah. Very campy. I don't actually mind that, but it oh, is. Oh, okay. I it, thought you minded that. I, mean, I was watching I, I, do, I, I think it's stupid, but I'm like, you know. <laughs> but so is the rest of the songs. Uh, okay, so the intro is great. Yeah. That intro is awesome. I, I, yeah. I was going to piggyback off that intro really fast yeah. to get into a, que- a brief side uh, note that uh, there's a lot of, like, random little classical influences on this album. Like, in the first track, you'll hear the... Uh, the yeah, the yeah. ornaments are very, you know, stylistic... And then on Video Killed the Radio Star, the whole outro is like a, I want to say like a kind of a symphonic reduction of the whole song. There's like a, the, the functions of the synth parts will be like your strings and then the meow, meow, is very clearly modeled after mm-hmm. an oboe. Mm. And I want to, there's lots of like random little classical influences. And that, this little pipe organ uh, voice leading intro. Oh yeah, for sure. Is also very reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just thought that was kind of interesting to note. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, it's keyboard players, man. I know, yeah, nerds. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate the song. I don't think it's bad. I just don't find it as interesting as any of the other ones. I it's just a little like it sounds like a '80s, like it's from some shitty '80s action movie scene <laughs> or something. You know, I, I, I was gonna say I I think I think I'm coming to the the real realization of what you don't like. About oh yes, it, is I think the closer they get to like 
a more standard rock sound yeah. is the worse it gets. That might be my feelings on that. Because it's got like the driving eighth notes and it's got like the, yeah. the, the boot, the right. And I find the hook clean, clean, just kind of like, I mean. I, I don't mind that at all. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really like when songs do like just those little like one word Stabs, hooks yeah. kind of thing. I don't know. Okay. I mean, again, I don't really care about lyrics that much anyway, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I would, just, it just doesn't do it for me. I don't, I just don't really sure. enjoy it when it comes on. I'm just like, oh yeah, this song happened. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the song. It's definitely not my favorite on the album, mm-hmm. which we'll get to very shortly. Uh, but I definitely think it's worthy entry into this album. I, oh yeah. I mean, it's good in the album for sure. I oh just, yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's just not my favorite. That's all. But it is now at this point that I would like to digress into the, um, quote unquote, uh, concept that this album is hang on let me get my bullshit uh filter ready here (laughs) so anyway uh so this album is a concept album kind of uh they wrote it as one i don't think it came across at all then again concept album really they really don't and did they actually write it as a concept album or did they say they wrote it yeah that's a good fucking question so like the idea behind it is like basically that as technology gets uh, like crazier and crazier that people get more anxiety and things will get harder to like, you get more isolated and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's kind of like a warning against technology, I guess. And video killed the radio star is along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. And that's honestly, if the whole song or if the whole album were like songs that were as poignant as that song, as that, um, sure. The lyrics are in that song. Well, I love you, Mr. Robot. It's like about dating a robot. It's like, like literally what it's about. Well, no, (laughs) It's like, he had like some weird description of I love you, Miss Robot. It was like where you date, you're seeing someone, but you want to call someone else at the time, which makes no sense. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, I took it as like, you know, you know, we're going to literally going to like replace dating with like. Well, because I think there, there was that movie from a few years back, uh, Her. Yeah. Where he dates like Siri on the phone or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, eh. Yeah. So, th- but apparently it's not about that. So never mind. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if they actually. I think they're just lying. I mean, well, <laughs> this song mentioned Johnny. Yeah, Johnny is a character. He's also a character. Yeah, he's obviously the monorail man later. Mm-hmm. Johnny's a character in this album, but like, it, the problem is it doesn't really. Well, like, again, if you take a Frank Zappa album, <laughs> we're talking about Joe's Garage. Now we're talking concept album. I mean, yeah, concept albums can basically be. Anything you, and exactly yeah. that's why we put the bullshit filter on. <laughs> I reminded of the Who because Tommy, just technically a rock opera, as they say, yeah, but like very clear story, very yeah. clear concept. Then the Who had Quadrophenia, which is a concept album, but <laughs> uh, okay. I personally yeah. actually hate Quadrophenia. Oh man, I you hate know, it. The more I listen to it, the more I like it. Really? Yeah, okay. I've only listened to it twice. So well, maybe, maybe, I'll, need... maybe we'll do a Quadrophenia episode at yeah, some point, yeah. but anyway, um. There are things in, like, Pete Townsend does do the classic thing of having motifs come in and out. And I mean, sure. like, there's connection, but, like, the story, and they made a movie. I don't know if you ever saw the movie of Quadrophenia. no. Has, like, nothing to do with the music whatsoever. <laughs> so it's, like, eh, it's bullshitty. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. This might be a concept. It does. It, it's interesting how this sounds like such a cliche, like, thought of what the future would be like in the 80s. Yeah, like I it's guess, like it's yeah, like it's, it's like, like a, a soundtrack for that particular like a period. Futurist vision, yeah. yeah. And like I was saying, like that clean, clean sounds like it's a scene in action movie. I could see them like they got the lasers and they're running. Well, yeah. yeah. And uh, like, I actually found it. So I love you, Miss Robot is about being on the road and making love to someone you don't really like, while all the time you're wanting to phone someone who's a long way off. Stop being such a whore, then, dude. Hey-o. Yeah. But like, 
I guess that comes across in some of the lyrics, but it, to me, it's... It seems like he's... I guess he's disassociating while ha having sex. Yeah, that's... Treating someone seemed... like a robot. And, yeah, uh, I guess that's, that's more apparent. But what does that have to do with the concept of the... the, the, the... I don't know. But, uh... Bullshit! <laughs> yeah, it's, uh... It's about being on the road and making love to someone you don't really like all the time. That does actually sound a lot like the filter he uses on, like, video filter. I'm trying to cut it for your subconscious to me. Anyway, that's how production people do it, by the way. Um, I'm reminding... This is a complete non-sequitur, but there was a time I was recording a whistling track, and to avoid, like, the air mm. shit happening, instead of getting a pop screen, why would you get a pop screen? What we did was we grabbed my roommate's bike helmet, a pair of gloves, and recorded it through that. And it worked. And it sounded pretty good. We're basically buggles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, uh, we're uh, visionaries. Uh, yeah, yeah. Visionaries. Vision is scary. Uh, clean Clean is the album's... Uh, sorry. Um, Clean Clean is the album's fifth track, and it follows the story of a young boy who grows out of being a gangster, and despite not willing to do so, will at least try to keep the fighting clean. What? I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I get... You can hear, like, him being a gangster, I yeah. guess. Yeah, so he's like, the bad guy turning good. But no, not but even turning good, but he doesn't want to be disrespectful, or, like, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't get it at all. <sighs> The next song, though, <laughs> okay, has a very clear message, and it's more, much closer to along the lines of Video Killed the Radio Star in terms of, like, themes, and this one makes more sense as far as, like, technology and whatever. Not really, but, like, it, it also has, like, a more poignant story, and you can tell it through the lyrics. And as a side note, this is definitely my favorite track on this album. Might as well. Bar none. It is my favorite. This is Elstree, the sixth track. Listen to this whole song. That's a great song. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, what I was mentioning on camera while we were listening to this is that this uh, is another prime example of the classical influence here and there. The intro obviously is like this kind of pianistic riff that's maybe not strictly classical. Yeah, but it's got that vibe to it. It's got the vibe, yeah. Uh, but like also during the chorus, the second half of the chorus, you know, when uh, you get to the the trills mm -hmm. are ultra super duper obvious that you know where they're taking this from. It's not cool. And I just forever a sucker for the oh, I just can't not love that. It's every really day. good. I Both, miss it when they don't do it too. I know, I know. I'm always just like, mm. 
Uh, and the outro is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like they stop doing it for like eight bars. You're like, but but where's my? And the funny part is, uh, the song "Kids in America." Whoa, is the exact same notes in the exact same key, going to the exact same chord. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um. They actually, the, you know, the more, I mean, obviously I've been listening to this a lot lately, but just sitting here talking about it, I'm like, I'm so surprised it did not get very good reviews when it came out. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it just was too ahead of its time. That's my guess. And also, the way it's good can be kind of considered as, uh, I was going to say like weenie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a little, I mean, well, even then though, but like 79, it's like a lot of big rock bands were not doing that basic blues stuff at that point. A lot of them were trying to get more artsy with it and synthesizers were getting more popular. Yeah. I don't, Again, this is a very, I feel like this is a very awkward time for music. Yeah, that might just it's be late it. late 70s, early yeah. 80s. Yeah, I mean, and obviously this album was a huge influence on 80s music. Oh and, my and God. I could keep going too, but like that specific sound of like the synth wave pop and shit like that. Yeah, like, I mean, this would influence Tears for Fears. Oh and, yeah, like this is... Like, uh, who's that? Da- uh, I was going to say Daft Punk. Wow. Devo. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah Daft Punk too. Yeah, Devo, yeah, Soft Cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these bands were literally like the Buggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, they influenced so much shit. Uh, interestingly though, Again, slightly unrelated. Hans Zimmer, uh, when this album came out, filed an injunction to take it off the store shelves for Why? not being credited. Well, I thought he wasn't even on the album. He didn't, and programmed the sequencer and a few sounds on one of the songs. <laughs> so that uh, injunction was rejected. Hmm. And he is in the music video. He for... is, yes. Okay. Uh, so I would invite you listeners to stay tuned to our podcast for episode 50, which is going to come out in a couple months. And it's going to be uh, working title, The Hans Zimmer Manifesto. <laughs> the Zimmer Fest that you've Zimmer all Fest. been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, God. So I'm excited oh, for that. So I just thought that was funny. Uh, Else, but back to Elstree. Okay, yes. <laughs> back to Elstree. Again, it's one of those things where the verses kind of are in a different spot than your course, and the way mm. they get to it is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, these kinds of progressions you don't get from normal kind of, you know, uh, pop writing. At the, I'm specifically talking about the end of the verse, trying to get to the chorus, where they use this contrary motion thing uh, to get there. So it's like, it's like D flat, uh, G flat, and then, or I guess E flat minor over G flat specifically, because the melody's on an E flat okay. up top over G flat. And then A flat kind of sus thing to get to your B flat minor. And these kind of contrary, it's contrary mm-hmm. motion against the melody. And those kind of things are not very common and also very hard to execute yeah. with loud, distorted guitars. Well, yeah, and I was about to say that, too. It's like definitely the instrumentation makes a huge difference. This album wouldn't happen with guitar. I mean, I know there's a little guitar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got some guitar. But, like, not really. It's, it's all, not driving. It's all synth-based for yeah. all of it. Like, so, and yeah, you're right. That would not happen. Like, it's not really possible. Guitar players wouldn't write that anyway. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's not really possible because... Of the nature of the guitar, especially, you know, a distorted one. You can't, yeah, you yeah. can't make it sound clean, clean. Mm-hmm. Ah! Uh, but, and it, and bands have tried, and that's actually a sound I don't like that much. I was pretty popular in the 80s, is mixing this synth heavy stuff with like the distorted guitar. I, eh, it's not like some, I don't know, some mid early Chicago, I guess I could say, would be that number range. Yeah. You know, sure. I don't know. I just, I mean, that's the horns and shit too, but. Uh, that sound of the 80s with like that super processed like distorted guitar that always had a little chorus on it yeah. mixed in or the, I just no, I just don't like that sound and I'm glad they don't have it on this album yeah I agree yeah. I totally agree I we're not gonna play this next song okay. on this album 
Thank God. Uh, no, it's really, it's actually really good. But this is kind of go back to how British they were. <laughs> I we I mentioned this to you a couple days ago. Did you have any fucking idea what they were saying on this chorus? Nope. Even a clue. Nope. Tiny bit of a clue. Nope. You could hear the word Astro Boy. Yeah. And then what? <laughs> I thought it was like punching the poles on the right. Yeah, okay. Which I thought uh, they were making that. fun of Polish people. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> what the fuck? What was Is going Hans on here? Zimmer Polish? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, and the proles on parade. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, proletariats on parade. Oh, the proles as a proletariat. Yeah, so, so, is that where Rage Against the Machine got their song from? <laughs> yeah, dude. They even influenced Rage Against oh the Machine. <laughs> the Buggles. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna throw you a bit of a curveball. Oh, here we go. I want you. This will be the last track I play because I don't really want to play Johnny and the Monterey. I love that song, and but this song's not as interesting as the yeah. songs you've listened to so far. It's really good. It's a great album closer, although not your typical album closer that we've been talking about earlier today. It's more straightforward of a song. Sure. I'm going to have you play a bonus track. Oh, Jesus. And you're going to have to look for it. Okay. I swear this song is good. It's I've called... heard that sentence from you quite a few times, Jake. And how many times has it been true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, give me a percentage. Give you a solid 25%. That's way better than I thought you were going to give me. <laughs> uh, the song is called Technopop. Technopop. One word. By the Buggles. I uh, got a YouTube video here. Nice. Let's just fire it up. Do it up. I can see why they left it on the album. Yes. Yeah. I, I want to say it's a little rougher around the edges yeah, for sure. It's not, I don't know where it really fit in with it either, as far as like. I, yeah. I think it fits better. Are you talking about thematically or sonically? Sonically, uh, I don't think it fits. Sonically, in. and also just as, because I feel like, it, I mean, it's probably just because I'm so used to the album now, but I just don't know, like, where would you put that track? Or if you had sure. to switch a track out with that one, where would it go? Oh, uh, like, eh. That's a good question. That's a good point. I will say, like, I think thematically it fits just fine. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was the B side to Clean Clean. Uh huh. The single. Yeah. I see. Yes. You know, there were some good B sides out there that I'm not sure why they never really released. Like, yeah. Well, you know. So this was on the 2000 uh, mm-hmm. CD reissue. Sometimes reissues are good. I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They did good, and the first track of this reissue, or the, sorry, the first bonus track, um, is called Island, and it's like it kind of a, you know the British people in the 70s and 80s love their reggae stuff, mm-hmm. and it's got a little lot of that, and it's called Island too. So you know, yeah, and it's like, it, but it's really good. Got very like long and minimalistic, very Ooh. odd. Okay, very odd song. And then there's a redo of Johnny and the Monorail, which is 
not questionable, but definitely not awesome. Okay. I wouldn't call it good, necessarily. I might skip listening to that one, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I love Technopop, and I'm sad it's not on the album. It's right? good. Proper. Yeah. It's, and uh, you were like, you were about to give me that stank face when that sax came in, but then you liked it. No. What? I no. did not like that sax. No, it's because it's so, like, uh, aggressively, like, in your facely bad. There is that. I'll the, give you that. Like, I, I, like they're yeah, out of tune on purpose. Uh, it's to it, represent it, what Technopop it, it, sounds like. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> it grew on me. But when it first came in, I was like, oh, fuck, nope, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was an interesting thing uh, that these, the you know, bonus tracks on, you know, a Pink Floyd album are going to be atrocious. But the Buggles are pretty unique. Oh, yeah. And I think they deserve a little extra credit. They had one other album, is that right? They did. I don't know anything about it. Huh. I tried listening to it, and it was not very good. And I believe Hans Zimmer is more involved with that album. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> Listeners, uh, stay tuned to episode 50 for the Hans Zimmer Manifesto. <laughs> We're going to the Zimmerfesto. Zimmerfest. Zimmerfesto. Zimmer Manifesto. Okay, anyway. We'll figure it out. Okay, anyway. Just, wait, what did you say? Zimmerfesto. Zimmerfesto, okay. Zimmer Manifesto. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Uh, so, to recap, this album's amazing. Really Very good. sonically varied. Probably one of the best. Albums full time, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's up there on like the I list of this. 100 or whatever, but it's on there, I'd say. Yeah, I, I would put it top. Would you say you wouldn't put it top 100? I said I would, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's in there. I mean, it's probably close to 20, top 20 for me, mm. maybe more. Mm. Eh, maybe. But it's really, really amazing. Very sonically challenging, I would say. They, yes. They push envelopes. Definitely. There's a lot to get through on that. Like, it would. Oof. Very detail oriented. Yeah. yeah. But I think that does it for my buggle section. All right. Well, we talked a lot about that, which is good because there's not much we're going to say about this next album. Not that it's bad. No. But uh, we We have two people when we talk about reviewing. (laughs) We I don't think we've really ever talked about an album like this on the show before. No, no. um, We've approached it a couple times. We've approached it. But Um, this is the fullest. This album is Your Mercury by Teeth of the Sea. From 2010. Yeah. Neither of us had heard of this album before or this band. Nope. Before finding this. Um, and to reiterate, we found it on Piero Scarufi's uh, huge database of shit. And we've talked about Piero Scarufi several times. And one of the things we have talked we talked about is how the fuck does he find all this shit? I mean, uh, they, are, they are on a label, they, not, not a major. Yeah, but they're, like, um, I mean, they're, you know, they have. Their presence is pretty much as Bandcamp, though. Yeah. Uh, and P- to Piero's credit, he does sift through Bandcamp quite a bit. He now. really does. Uh, I describe describe it as like desert Brit noise rock. Yeah, definitely noise rock for sure. Um, I don't. I would almost eliminate the word rock though. Ah, uh, yeah, there's parts uh, noise uh, atmospheric. It's bad. I mean, it's like post rock, you yeah, know that kind of thing. Sure. Um, I can I can live with post rock. So. What we mean by not much to say is this album. Okay, I will say after that, I actually really like this album. I like. I, I don't know if I, I really like. Yeah, it. I got really into it. Actually, I like this album a lot. It's very textural and ambient, mm-hmm. and there's not really form at any point. There's nothing to grasp. There's nothing to grasp. So it's going to be hard to talk about. A lot of the songs are like five minutes plus. Uh, very similar very soundscapes. Minimal yeah. trans changes happening. Um, I really enjoy it. We're going to do our best here, I guess, to yeah. kind of talk about it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, we should pro- I want to play just a little bit of it, and then I kind of want to yeah. talk about what it takes to listen to something what like I this. What I wanted to play, what it's actually, and I don't think it's that long of a thing. 
No, okay, this will take like a minute and a half. Uh, I wanted to play the transition, or the first song transi- transitioning into the second Ooh, song. Yeah. I think this is a good way to start the album. I think it works really well how they do it. So this is going to be Transfinite, and then a little bit of The Ambassador after that. Word. get more into the noisy stuff as we go but um i think there's two moods to this album and that <laughs> kind of gives you a taste that of what those both. are yeah. uh and they do a really good job of kind of going back and forth between the two i think yeah i never get sick of one before the other comes in i would say that's a good way to describe this album in general is mm-hmm. this kind of dichotomy and how they play between these two uh i guess extremes yeah is kind of what makes this album mm-hmm. is its flow yeah of how it goes back and forth it, it's a nice mix too of like Traditional, like, guitar, bass, drum, distortion, noise, mm-hmm. and then just, I don't even know how I've got some of these I th- well, sounds okay. either. Like, so I I was listening to it quite a bit, and some of it's samples. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, a lot of it's synth-based, mm-hmm. obviously. But, like, I think there's, like, way more samples than there are synths. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Even, like, the synth sounds are, like, sampled from stuff. I believe that, yeah. It's just this is what my ears are telling me. Mm-hmm. I can't really back that up at all. But uh, as far as, like... You like you were saying the transition between these two things is good. Uh, when I was listening to that just now, what I was listening for is like so it's v- it's very droney intro. I was listening to like the interplay between the sampled voice kind of thing, the the thing mm-hmm. that kind of floats. Yeah, it's, yeah. This is kind of like a D minor, G minor mm-hmm. S kind of tonality, I guess. It kind of floats in between yeah, yeah. everywhere, and it has like E natural, so it's kind of door. Or I don't know, it doesn't really matter. The point is, it's more specific tone based, mm-hmm. and I was really starting to listen to like. The distance between like the singer sample being on like an A and kind of scooping up to a B flat real quick, and then like the melody on bottom being like B flat to C to E to D, mm. it kind of it floating in there, and just that kind of distance. And then when I'm really getting into that, crunch, yeah. it's the ambas- <laughs> it's the ambassador, <laughs> and like that. <laughs> I love that little sound of the just the feedback, yeah, loopy mesh, weird, yeah, weird guitar God, shit, so cool. Yeah. What I want to kind of talk about mm-hmm. is I. You have to listen to different things in different mindsets. And what I when I describe it to people as 
when they ask me, it's like when I'll show someone something, I guess akin to this or something similarly out there for, I guess, a less annoying person that will go out and seek anything out in the entire world and try and justify why it's good. They will be like, well, how do you like listen to this? What are you, what, what? I can't get it. I, there's not, there's nothing. This is, this is just noise. And I'm like, yes and no. Yes and no. There's no pitch necessarily or no, there's no meter or (laughs) (laughs) anything you're traditionally listening to but you have to listen for i always describe it as listening with different ears yes so you have to put on your you have to put on your ears that are less music oriented and less just or sorry more just sound and experience oriented you know and that's something we could do a whole episode on this um but that thinking has been around for, you know, over 100 years now in music, I'd say. Yeah. And it's still hard for people. It still is not quite in our ears. Collective as a, conscious, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you'll hear more, and especially, like, electronic music, like dance music, we'll be able to sneak some stuff in there. Oh, they can get deep, yeah. Yeah, but it's still kind of firmly know, rooted firm in that, just 4-4 four, four or whatever. Um so maybe it's getting that point, but it has been around for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's just interesting. It's one of those things where, like, modern art looks weird, but people pay, you know, a million dollars for a modern art piece that looks like diarrhea. Right. And, <laughs> and this is maybe the equivalent to that, but... Uh, hey, they're not out there selling their fucking album cover for $10,000, yeah, right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, for some reason, the music thing, we just, I don't know why. We a, ha- yeah, yeah, we haven't managed to grasp it as a society. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, I I oftentimes have a hard time listening to certain things for almost the same reason, pretty much. Yeah, and like you were saying kind of earlier, um, we can't really analyze this the way you were just doing the Buggles song. There's no chord yeah. progression. There's no, and, uh, there's no contrary like, motion. So like, there's no, <laughs> like the closest I got to analysis was just five seconds ago, yeah. and I was just talking about yeah. it's much more specific tone-based, and tone also includes like timbre and texture. Yeah, and I wonder too, like, those pitches, I mean, who knows? Maybe it was just two samples that they had that worked together, and that's why it is that. As yeah, opposed to and then they just processed or, them. Yeah, who know, I don't, you know? Yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. The process for this kind of thing, I've always wondered about. I would love to get like someone like this on for an interview. It's like, what's going through your head while you make this? What What are you listening for? Because mm-hmm. I can't imagine it's just them sitting in a studio being like, oh, this fucking is around, cool. and then being like, that. all right, one song down on the next one. Like... There's intent behind all of this. I just don't know how they got to that point. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, you can hear, like, the results of intent. You can't really trace its thought process, mm-hmm. though. It's pretty cool. It is very cool. And this, this whole album is pretty full of this same concept. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole time it gets just... I think it gets, like, bigger and bigger. It does. Yeah. Uh, we'll get back to that. Um, there's a couple things I want to play, but did you want to play something? Um, uh Mine's toward the end. Of okay, the, I'll go. Oh, you know exactly what yeah, I Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to play... Well, like, we're not going to be able to play it all. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to play the title track, which mm. I think is just about... It's a little over before halfway through, but the longest song in the album. Um, and this, to me, is kind of shows how they did intend to do these things. It's maybe a little simpler as far as, like, the textures go in this one and maybe a little more guitar-based, rock-based yep. kind of thing. Um and I wish we could play all eight minutes of it, but what we're going to do is listen to a little bit, and we're going to skip ahead, and we're just, I just want to give the effect of what they grow this song into, basically. And then go home and put it on and listen to the whole thing, because it's really cool. Yeah, exactly. But we're just going to do the very quick DJ version of this. DJ!
That's a really cool track, dude. It's a great track. It's so moves so slowly. Yeah. And it just I don't know, but it, it's an experience, I think. Like if you're really zoning out and listening to that and just all the cool sounds that come in and you know i think it conscious well with like the trumpet yep and the beginning where it's just those kind of like harmonic things happening just very natural mm-hmm. sounding and then just pure blah, 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 and everything yeah. at the end and the so, morph again is so gradual mm-hmm. that it just t- yeah, it takes a sweet time and therefore it's yeah. like very rewarding. that's hard to do there's this um artist uh taylor swift is her name oh and she released a 10 minute version of one of her songs yeah? recently tell me about it and you know she did a pretty good job at just really gradually making the song more interesting for 10 minutes. Right, right. Yeah, you know, totally. It so, was not totally, this, literally yeah. the same thing. For yeah, yeah. So this Wait, is, didn't she start the song again? You know what, Jake? Did she? She might have. You know, that's genius. Straight up. <laughs> Any case. <laughs> yeah, so go ahead and uh, listen to episode 39 that for our analysis of Taylor Swift's three releases, most of which is positive. Yes. That's very, very negative. <laughs> All too well is a kind of a dumpster fire. <laughs> In any case, you, you have to listen to that one, but just to kind of give you an example of, and I think that kind of fits the whole, like the arc of that is a very telling part of the album, just how totally. slowly and in and out these little instruments and sounds come in and out. Um, but shall we move on to your favorites? <laughs> Hell yeah. So th- before we get into this, the reason this stuck with me so hard, I believe is because of the context I was listening to this first. Mm. And that's, I think, the difference between your and I. What What did you do when you first listened to this album? What was your What was your uh, situation? What were you doing? God, you I think home? I was taking a shower. I think I just put it on. I was like getting ready for work do you have, like, or a something. Bluetooth speaker? Yeah, okay. yeah. It definitely wasn't like listening, listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, I was like, oh, this is cool. But yeah, I until I really sat down with this with headphones on, I don't think I really totally got into it you know what i mean so my first experience listening to this entire album was driving to a gig in portland so actually it was driving on the way back from portland it was dark and shitty and i was grumpy and i was kind of struggling to make it through this album to be honest yeah it's not driving music no i remember when you used to tell me you were like on the treadmill running to uh earth yep that's (laughs) you said you were being chased by the world's slowest dragon it it does um Whereas we were saying earlier that this is a British band, um, but it does really have that kind of California desert sound to me, like a lot of those bands did. Uh, like that particular, like Queens of the Stone Age and that kind of, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, sure. It, it doesn't sound very British, I guess. It definitely has no, more of I like mean, a American desert sound sure, yeah. to it. I would um, definitely picture these guys are some nerds in Nevada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, this is, in a way, good driving music. But not really because you don't want to be driving in that because that's terrible and boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the reason this song kind of got stuck in, stuck with me is because it was literally the only thing and the entire thing I could latch onto is being like, whoa, this is cool. It's like the only words in the, the only words in the whole thing. Exactly. There, it Maybe that's an interesting point in and of itself. Is, it is the only words. But I was really – this is why – it's almost like why I listened to it again and didn't give up on it is because – the way these words build and the way these phrases interact with the backdrop of its atmospheric kind of stit, that's kind of a, another microcosm of this entire album, I would say. Mm-hmm. The way they reuse these samples, the way, the, where they put them, even like on the panning, I think they changed it. I can't quite remember, though. And that's what it was like, you know, this song was good enough. I bet if I listen to it again, I will <laughs> like it. And then I listened to the whole album, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> and... Uh, again, you you may recognize this from our wonderfully hilarious intro that you'll now get for you eight minutes later. How fucking long we've been talking? 
This is red soil? Red soil. All right. I knew these people. These two people. I knew these people. I knew these people. These two people. These two people. I knew these people. I knew these people. These two people. I knew these people. These two people. These two people. These people. I knew these people. These two people. I knew these, these two people. people. These two people. I knew these people. I knew these people. These two people. These two people. I knew these people. I knew these people. These two people. These two people. I knew these people. These people. I knew these people. These two people. These two people. I knew these people. I knew these people. These two people. These two people. so easy to zone out to dude. i know it's like and then mm, when you zone relaxing. out that's mean it's like you're not zoned out of like everything it's just like it's just becoming the soundtrack to life yes it's pretty sweet uh it reminds me i don't know if this was intentional but it reminds me of like steve reich's like tape loop pieces like that's come out and show them yeah. and i forget who did like i am sitting in a room <laughs> uh but in those where the idea was they loop the sample and it degrades just so the exactly. actual does that. This is degrading in a different way. It's more because the sample's not degrading. No, it's, it's fading. It's yeah. fading. The mix is making it degrade exactly. in a sense. It's degrading in the mix. And again, I don't know if that was the, the purpose of influence, but it I, I makes mean, me I could think of it. A, yeah. I can definitely bit. think that Steve Reich would be an influence. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to talk about how to, I guess, put this into, not, I don't want to say, like, objective terms or anything, but, like, I want to say, like, interpretive terms. Interpretative, sorry. Like, something that came to mind while I was listening to this for this, like, my, I think, like, my fourth or fifth time, um, is which, which voice they decided to fade out when and why. And 
Sorry? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Sorry, so I'm thinking. Uh. The, what I was thinking was that, so there's two voices. Uh, you have your dude on your left and your dude kind of center right. Uh, and the dude on the left is kind of talking more, um, not nonchalantly, but uh, uh, he was more directly. And then the other guy seems to have a much more like poignant approach to his dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I knew these people. Where the other guy says, I know these people, these two people, right? Kind of a little sillier, I guess. Uh, and I, they faded out the sillier voice first, and as the music became, I guess, more, uh, I don't want to use the word driving, it's much more present, much more uh, built, much more yes. expanded, yes. that's the word I'm looking for. Then they faded out the less uh, serious voice and kept the center-right voice, which is the more poignant one, and kept it going. I'm one, And I don't know if that's valid or not, but like... Uh, well- I did some research on that yeah. voice sample. Oh, okay. And I don't know if this will help answer this question or not at all, because I don't know. Um, so that so the left voice is a sample. The right voice is maybe someone in the band oh. or someone they know. It's not a sample. Gotcha. Um, the left one is from the actor Harry Dean Stanton from his movie Paris, Texas, which I've not seen, but it is a movie about driving through the desert and going on road trips, wow. it turns out. Um, so I got to imagine that was intentional to use that particular sample. Sure. I don't know. I don't know the context of the movie in which he says that or anything like that. Um, it is interesting. I don't think I can think of anything else where they have a sample and then someone just saying the exact same words of it yeah. back and forth. That's really cool. That is cool. Why that one faded first. Yeah, that was just an interpretation there's, that came to mind. I bet there's something to it. Yeah. I don't know what I, it would in be. All, like, in all honesty, my guess would be it just sounds, you know, more, it matches more with what the track is going to do later yeah, than what the, le- what the first one does, mm-hmm. which is a little yeah. uh, less. Um, and again, imagine. like, uh, going back to, like, the one we were playing before this, things take time in this album. That was 2.34 when we stopped it. Wow, we listened to 2.34? Yeah. Do you remember when we were listening to... Uh, in episode 41, I believe, uh, the music we like one, where we were listening to Ligeti's textural piece. Oh, yeah. And we uh, we didn't stop it. It's the same kind of thing. There's yeah. There's something about this music that just kind of pulls you in. And just It's good, though. I don't... How could you get someone that necessar- not necessarily into this kind of music to tr- to get into the right mindset to listen to it? I really... Oh, I do oh, hate bringing this up because um, also my experience with it, but like some of the reviews I read... Actually, pretty much all of them compare this album to a drug trip of some kind. I know. And And there's something to that, I guess, the expanding your mind. I've never never tripped on any psychedelic um, before, so I don't... So there's something to that, and I... You know, I don't know if these guys partake in that or if they was written with that in mind. I get I get why they would say that, though. Yeah. It definitely has that just sort of losing yourself kind of vibe. So maybe we just all need to expand our consciousness. Yeah, dude, uh, mushrooms, <laughs> mushrooms coming up. I don't know. Again, it, maybe not. You kind of have, you know, let's go a little Buddhist here. I think you have to let go of the things attaching you to music. I, that's very good. Mm-hmm. I would say something very similar. Listening, yeah, listening with different ears on. Mm-hmm. You should, yeah, don't go into this expecting, like, you know, yeah. for instance, even, like, this droney segment, and, you know, it has meters in 4-4, mm-hmm. uh, and the right symbol is very faintly doing this, right? Uh, but, like, that's the closest you're getting, this whole album, yeah, to much. what you want, as far as if you're going into this with the mindset that you're going to listen to some... Music that you like. Interesting too that it's not even like the focus 
Exactly. Well, it's so far back. It like, never like, is like the center. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice there was meter in this song <laughs> until my my third listen. Well, and it which, takes a while for it to actually establish takes, itself as well. Yeah. Like, it's, mm, it's really cool. It's, it's super interesting. And if again, if you're trying to tell someone like or trying to instruct them how to like listen to this, you have to remove the things you already pre are right. pre looking for. Preju- your yeah. movie prejudice, I guess, about what music would be. I you know, I, I I've been listening to music like this or just, you know, more abstract music for a long time now, or probably mm-hmm. most of my musical career at this point. Uh I don't remember what it was like when I first listened to it. I imagine I had a very hard time getting into it and I don't know. I think it was just repeated listening, mm-hmm. learning more about the artists, what they're doing. I have a slightly different take. Mm. I remember oh, okay. what it was like for me to listen to weirder shit. Uh-huh. And my weirder shit was like not weird. Okay. <laughs> it was like, tell me a bedtime story. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. And it starts getting out there, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but like the reason I started getting into your more abstract stuff, your, you know, less stuff to grasp onto, less melody, whatever, is because I had friends that were listening to mm-hmm. it. And. Not only did I not want to be the guy left out. Fair enough. <laughs> but then I was, I, I tried, what I really tried is figuring out what I could do to like listen correctly, I guess, is figuring yeah. out the right frame of mind to me and what to listen for. Because again, the things, it provides the same things that I get from other music, but obviously in a much different way. I think another big point too, and both of our, you're kidding to know this music, is playing it. And that, I think, may be the biggest thing, because then you really have to know how to listen. Oh, my God. It's that, so hard to play this kind of stuff. It is insane. And you know what, though? Because obviously we can't be like, just go f- join a freak band. But this kind of music, you can actually, you don't have to necessarily have musical like talent or mm-hmm. training to do this. You just need ears, man. You do. You could just be talking to a mic and hitting bottles on cups and whatnot. And But honestly, like, try it sometime. It's I find it very liberating and free and cool, but like... It's also scary yeah. at the same time when you first start doing it and you really have to listen to things you're not used to. Totally. I remember one time, uh, this is during that same time when I was trying to get acclimated to the the farther out stuff, when I was actually, I remember an album I was listening to a lot at that time was uh, Spiritual Unity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my gateway mm-hmm. to uh, the freer side of life. And so I was down in California uh, visiting my dad on like maybe a summer vacation thing in between semesters. Can't quite remember. Uh, but I was trying to just go up to the piano and just play a little more freely. Mm-hmm. And then after like five or so minutes, uh, I, I stop and I go into the living room. My dad's like, how was that? <laughs> 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 and I'm like, I was trying, I, I don't know. I was trying to like kind of just play a little more free. I'm sure it was terrible too. Like not even good for yeah, him. Yeah, sure. Right. Like yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was, and he just said one word. I was like, I tried to explain all this stuff and he's like, he said one word. It was Why? <laughs> Why play any music then? Yeah. Well, no, like, but I, yeah, and that's I what I feel like that question is why people can't quite figure out how to get into this music. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you have to be a failed jazz musician to really get into yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like, but I feel like you need like, a, not necessarily like a community, but you need like guidance of some yeah, sort. You know, and also I will say there's plenty of like really great musicians who could play this that just don't. And yes. they don't like it. And yeah. And so and it's fine. not like, yeah, it's not like, hey, you don't get it. You're exactly. not really. It, yeah, yeah. This is not like objectively awesome or anything, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, it just, it just, I don't know. I wish it was represented more, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we just don't really get that. And that's, yeah, I wish we that's could get... what it is. <laughs> so there are like art, artsy movies, right? Mm-hmm. And there's like art. And obviously there's lots of artsy music. 
what would be what do you think is more popular because rd art is uh like modern art like the the diary issue or whatever mm-hmm. is like fairly prevalent among oh, people yeah. who are into that oh but, yeah uh how prevalent is like an artsy movie oh it's very pro i mean there's again well you said festivals but like these festivals get like national press and people follow them and mm. things like that and that doesn't happen to because uh what was that was that like church place up here the church hall that does like the weird free music. Oh, uh, uh, the Good Shepherd Center. Yes, because they, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they every year had like the free improv fest. Improv like, yeah. Improvised yeah, music yeah, 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 yeah. That maybe had like half the seats full at any given and, time. And you, you know, you're picturing like a like a church performance oh, space. Oh, yeah, no. Much, much smaller than that. I think 30 seats. Probably. You, no, actually, you, get you more could in squeeze there. 50. You could get 50 like, in there, generally but you 30, never had to. No. <laughs> Generally, 30 <laughs> like, is the amount of seats. Yeah. I did a piece there written by a friend of mine, and uh, it was fairly full for the Good Shepherd Center at, like, 25. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing, it's like they do a festival every year, and people go, but it's not getting any traction. It's not, not even like, in our local papers. It's not like papers. a bumper shoot or something. Th- you know? not, well, it doesn't even have to be, but right. like, I wish The Stranger would cover it. I'm least. not sure they mes- mention it, and they're like, happening this week. Right, Go yeah. get your mind blown up. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go get your mind blown up. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's something about music, and that's another topic, but there's, it's just always been that way, that music is sort of like the lone wolf of the art world, and just it just hits us differently, and it's weird. I mean, music's pretty much the only art form you only use one sense for, you know? Yeah, that's true. Till we come out with our Scratch and Sniff album. Oh, baby, no one wants that. <laughs> Especially right now, we're sitting in my, like, 90-degree apartment. It's like October, it's 90 in my apartment. <laughs> it's really hot in here, goddammit. Um, I think that wraps that one up, unless there's anything else you wanted to play off that. Um, not really, I just, yeah. I really want to reiterate, like, if you go home, I encourage you to go and listen to this on you know a good pair of speakers or headphones and try and just and this is very hard in this day and age especially for me is to like try doing nothing for and listening to this for 40 minutes 45 if that yeah yeah, yeah. it's very it, short yeah and you fair. can stream it all in bandcamp too i believe if yeah. you don't want to deal with spotify because it's terrible because spotify sucks yeah bandcamp is actually great mm-hmm. uh but try this out and try not to listen for like you know your your drum fills or whatever <laughs> try and listen for like the minute changes that will happen and try and think of why that's happening yeah i think that's the yeah. message i would go all for. right all right teeth of the sea teeth of the sea your mercury technically this <clears throat> technically this t- the track that's called your mercury is not a title track because it's oh god damn it <laughs> <laughs> just saying you know, your punctuation, you know, that matters. Why, okay. Why do you think they changed the title from your Mercury to you are Mercury? Why? So one criticism that I will kind of agree with with this kind of music yeah. is like you can't tell if it's all just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to find the line, which is the case with all modern art. True. Uh, so, yeah. But no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would say there's something that gives it a little more. Actually, this could either, this could go either way as well. What gives it more credence? Or sorry, does this give it more or less credence when you have something like that sample taken from the movie Paris, Texas that's also about a Mm -hmm. desert trip in the highway and you comparing this to like your California desert music, does that give it more or less credence as like a completed work of art, I guess? You know, to me it gives it more. Um, But you can see the other side. I can 100% see the other side. Way too on the nose. 
Yeah. I think there's subtle things in here that make me really believe that this was very well thought out and everything like that. Absolutely. I but agree. I, there's no way I can prove it one way or another. Yeah. And but, even, you know, even like, uh, trying to talk about that stuff is hard. Yeah. Like, it, like you can like, I bet you right now, if I gave you the challenge, like, give me like two examples of what that exactly could mean. It'd be really difficult. Yeah. Because it's so much subtler than, and that's why, you know, music is subjective at the end of the day. I believe we, uh, this one of our episode titles, mm-hmm. mu- music is subjective. But your opinion still sucks. That's right. And I will stand by I that. I stand by till that. Till the day I'm that dead. Is... <laughs> <laughs> Whew, all right. Uh, rants, shout outs. Uh, I want you to pull up a song okay. on YouTube. And I'm going to talk about this guy right here. Uh, oh, 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 Hector. Yeah, I know this is going. <laughs> yeah, you do. So Hector Laveau is the, you know, one of the best salsa singers ever. And he did, yeah, he worked a lot with Willie Cologne for many years and uh, there's a movie with him. I think Mark Anthony starred in it, which is very oh. sad. Uh, I, I have like some weird hatred of Mark Anthony that I don't even understand. Did he take myself. his little J Lo from you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I was totally into J Lo. Although I heard J Lo was really good in the Selena movie. Oh yeah. So also keep in touch. Uh, follow us on our various social media platforms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, because we're going to be doing a episode about Selena that we in the are. Near future. And that is a wild fucking ride. Let me tell you. <sighs> But we're talking about Hector Laveau and not Selena. And Hector Laveau, uh, you know, is a very famous salsa singer, did lots of huge, astronomically huge salsa hits that everyone knows to this day. Uh, I'm not, this is not a big hit, but I really like how he switches styles in the middle of the song. And to me, it almost is reminiscent of like a more, like something we would do in America, like a kind of like a beat drop almost. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like lands a hammer. Drops an anvil on your course is a metaphor I tend to use on this podcast for no reason. Let's just play it. This is Hector Laveau's La Verdad off the album La Comedia. I can't spell. Uh, V-E-R-D-A-D, yeah. The two people. Or sorry, these two people. These two people. me miras, ¿qué es lo que sientes? Dímelo pronto, mujer querida, si tus lindos ojos no mienten, tú me amas cuando me miras, quiero saber la verdad, la que dicen tus ojos, quiero saber la verdad, la que dicen tus ojos, y si me quieres canto, si no me quieres lloro, y si me quieres canto. So yeah, I love I love that style switch a lot, and I'm also gonna make you play the bridge. Oh Jesus! Sorry, it's actually pretty deep. It's like it's like sixty percent or so. Um, so it's a style switch. So we're doing salsa, right? And actually, there's a really cool cl- uh, clave switch in there too. Like it starts at the verse starts out in three two, and they have a little extra bar in the middle to switch it to two three to get it to the you know your like to get it to the charanga section. Because I've always considered I could be totally off base on this, and this could be like a totally white person perspective. But I consider the two three clave a lot more stable 
and more grounded than the 3-2. I always figured the 3-2 is more pushing. Sure. And there's a pretty logical explanation for that, I would say. On the 2 side of your clave is where a lot of the downbeat stuff happens. And on your 3 side, it's very anticipated. Mm-hmm. Everything's off your beat. And then when you hit the 2 side, you're on. Um, but they switch in the middle of it, and that kind of creates a, this forward push into the Charanga section. And I think that's pretty badass and very well executed. And now we're going to go to... So this is after the call and response section, and they just do the same thing, where they just go completely off the deep end, I guess. All right. Fire it up. Hancock and his band. For that. I know, right? The roads is so <laughs> whack, dude. It's like sharp elevening and so, like that's really cool. It's uh, so weird. Mm-hmm. Why is he doing that? It sounds so cool. And yeah, just like the style switch in the middle of the song is, I think, really cool. And I like it a lot. Yeah, I will say, just in general, the way salsa arranges a lot of its like verses, like because it's also like your your choruses are like in the middle of the song only. Sure. Uh, so your call and response section, there's like sometimes two different ones, one that's a little shorter response, etc. So it's structured much differently. So I think your verses have to be a little more long form and interesting mm-hmm. in general. Uh, so I think that creates a little extra pressure to do cool stuff. And if you guys want a little recommendation for an example of that, I would listen to another Hector Laveau song called Juanito Alimaña. And that's like a two and a half minute verse. It's kind of a repetitive segment. It's like, a, I think, a 16 bar chord progression. But just the arrangement decisions are insane. Weird breaks, crazy substitutions. Like it's in on the chords, G minor, F, E flat, D, seven, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. But at one point it's like uh, uh, G minor, C sharp, F sharp, C, Ooh. F. Okay. Very okay. weird. Very, very odd. It's executed very well. So that was kind of my shout out is That's like a, salsa in general, but like Hector Velo, Hector the vote is mini salsa in. lessons. Jake. All right. Yeah, there we go. Hey. Some really cool shit in there. Uh, I don't have a random shout or anything and that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Life's okay. Life's what just, it's do? okay to just be okay. It's okay to be okay. Mm-hmm. What have you been listening to, my dude? I've been listening to In Casino Out by At The Drive-In. Oh, cool. Which the... Older I get, the more I like out the driving over <laughs> Mars Volta. I gotta say, they're oh, so cool. So their second album, which I didn't know at the, uh, this until I was looking it up, uh, but it's live in studio. I mean, not like a live show, but they just recorded everything in the room together live, um, which I just love that sound so much, especially in this punky, hardcore music. Oh, yeah. And the next album, they got a little more produced, and that's cool, too. Um, but it sounds really good because it's in a professional studio, and they had money to do it. So you can actually hear everything, and it's clean, but just especially, like, such an energetic band like that. Oh, it sounds so good. Um, Word. 
Also, Mars Volta, I guess, are reuniting and they're going on tour. That's what I heard. heard. Yeah. yeah I might, I might, That's probably going to be cool. That would probably be cool. I'm keeping my eye out on yeah. that one. I have always had like a love hate relationship with Mars Volta. They're really good. They're really good. Yes. Uh, there's just something about it. It's like almost, they almost get to like the panic at the disco tier sometimes where they yeah. just get like kind of annoying. Yeah. And obviously, as we've pointed out, that Panic at the Disco is one of the worst bands of all time. Very, but like, not for any reason that they're actually bad. Just very dense, kind of annoying. It can be a lot. I think they also, sometimes there's a blurred line between, oh, they're kind of having fun and they're taking this actually seriously, maybe. Yeah, and that, possibly like, pretentious. Hey, yeah. yeah. The whole thing with like the Ouija board where they like. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. like, let's not, let's not. Yeah, let's we don't not, even talk yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> How about you? I've been listening to The Righteous, The Holy, The Pious, The Reverend Horton Heath. Oh. Oh, my God. I don't even know what genre this band is. I thought they were kind of country but apparently they're not. They're, I've heard them called Psychobilly. I've heard them called Cowpunk. Cowpunk. I think they're Cowpunk. You, that's you think they're Cowpunk? That's how I would describe it. Okay. Yeah, so they're basically very country-influenced band that plays really, really loud and really fucking cool stuff. Uh, a lot of country structure to their songs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not, uh, but very much like, you know, you get your punk tempos, your and your kind of punk progression. Well, you know, that country drum beat and the punk drum beat are not that far away from each other. Ah, I never thought about that at all, actually. I'll have to do some investigating. But the album I was specifically listening to was called Lucky Seven, and there are some bangers off that. The banger. Specifically, uh, Galaxy 500 is nasty. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, What's reminding me of you is kind of more your country song, but with loud, distorted guitars instead. Yeah, I wish more country had that. I know. Well, they do, but it's like bro rock guitar. It's not. Yeah, the, the yeah, Horton, yeah. He, <laughs> I would never characterize them as bro rock. It's very punk guitar. The, yes, yes much closer to punk. punk. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess cow punk because they are closer to punk. I almost want to say for a couple of their tracks, they get approach on metal. Just especially in kind of some of their later stuff, <laughs> but yeah, mostly the mostly the punk psychobilly mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been listening to. Yeah, sweet. All right, well, you just listen to these two people talk. We two people. About three albums. These three albums. Go check them all out. This is Music Sucks and I Want to Die. <laughs> My name's Jake. I'm Matt. And we took all those jokes way too far. Yes. See you in a couple weeks. 500.